The American Council of Blind Lions, ACBL, is the affiliate that roars, and that's no lion. ACBL holds monthly conference calls and ACB convention events that help people who are blind or visually impaired become more involved in local Lions Clubs. Find out more. Call 502-897-1472 or email lions.acb at gmail.com. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome in. Take my hand. Say hello to who you know and who you don't and who you can. We'll give promise to your springtime and beginnings to your ends. We'll try not to be cautious, we'll be friends. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Visibilities on March 3rd, 2023. It's been three years, uh, actually three years tomorrow since I was in my office last on a regular basis. and. I'm going back next week. So I guess this has been a long, I had thought at the time it'd be out for a week or two, maybe three. Uh, I meant in weeks, not years. And I want to welcome you all here tonight. We have a very special lineup this evening. Um, I'm talking about the uh, older independent blind program. And that affects probably just about everyone, either ourselves or someone we know or someone we care about. And so we're going to do a little bit of history of it, where it started, where it came from, um, what's happened with it since, what needs to be done in order to um, bring it into the 21st century. Uh, and I've got quite a lineup of guests with me this evening who are going to talk about it and those we're kind of heading it up with Anisio Correa and Mark Reichert is with me and awesome. one of the people who was involved very very involved in it in its very early days uh, Scott Marshall is with us all right and, excuse me Ray, can you take I'm, I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him. It's Margo. Um and I got it. Think, and I think we will probably have a couple of others who I know there's at least one other person who I believe is joining us. But I'm uh, two others rather, but I haven't seen on the list yet. But it's going to be quite the conversation, I think. And so I am going to turn it over. And you're not going to get a word in edgewise, Terry. No, I'm not. That's one of the great things about this. I get to sit back for the next hour because right. I've got Mark on with here. This, with this crew, but, but you, she's you, got you don't the host button, remember? Oh, that's a no, no, I do. I've got the mute, I got the mute button. So. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, okay. All right. This so we'll is have to behave, I guess. All right. And his mute button's bigger than your mute button. Let's be honest. <laughs> anyway, as you can see, it's going to be a fun call. Um, 
Anicio, I'm going to turn this wild group over to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so when when uh, recent, I, I'll just give you a why we are here, and then I, I think I'm going to pass it on to Scott and, and Mark to talk more about the history. Because even though I've been involved with that history for quite a while since the '90s, uh, it may it may actually go a little bit further back than that. Um, so, but anyway, the, the, the reason we are here is because um, at a recent meeting of the um, advocacy committee of the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, uh, of which I am the current vice president, we talked about the need for um, advocating for increases in the and the amount of money that is allocated every year by the federal government to to serve older blind uh, older people individuals who are blind or visually impaired 55 years of age and older who do not have a vocational goal so therefore they're not served through the traditional vocational rehabilitation program and funds um so we we got in touch with folks at ACB because even though it's not an imperative, uh, a legislative imperative this year, we wanted to, as members of AAVL, wanted to identify a, a, just a couple of talking points to to bring up when we our members have a chance to meet with legislators um, of their of their own states, either in person or um, virtually. So I, together with the committee, I developed a couple of uh, talking points. I really didn't have to develop anything. I, it, it's all there. You know, it's, it's, we've been talking about it for a long time. So I just had to put them together, identify which ones I wanted to use. And when Terry saw that on the, on the list, listserv of the Alliance on Aging and Visual Arts, she had the idea of bringing it up today because it's it really is timely. It's right before the the virtual legislative conference starts tomorrow, and in time certainly for any meetings that people may have next next week during the face to face uh, part of the conference in DC. So that's why we're here. Uh, the current status of the older individuals who are blind uh, funds is is a status that has been around for a long time i think decades including the amount we're down to, we're up to 30 to 33 million dollars which to you and i may seem like a lot of money but when you divide it by the millions of people that need the service in the country it's really a minuscule amount of money um that doesn't go very far in fact right now um that money serves about 3% of the population that could benefit from those services. People with blindness or low vision that are 55 and over. And they're looking for, again, not vocational training, but they're looking for some of the blindness skills that can enable them to remain independent in their homes, away from costly institutionalization, um, and just enable them to live. So we're talking about things like orientation and mobility training, vision rehab therapy training in terms of uh, braille communications, day living skills, adjustment counseling, 
uh, peer support groups, um, and really all the, the things that all of us know uh, are helpful for people, especially in this population, for people who have lost or are losing their vision later in life. Um, so I just to give you a, a very brief um, biography about me, where, where do I come from in terms of where, where do I fit in, in this whole system? I, I am originally from Portugal. I moved to the United States as an adult after I finished college. And after some uh, experiences here and there and becoming aware of what rehabilitation was, I went and uh, went back to graduate school, got, received my master's in vision rehab therapy, or at that time was called rehabilitation teaching, and then started doing um, rehab training, um, providing training in, um, in New York. Uh, fell in love with city and ended up living there for many many years on and off, uh, and then moved on. Moved on. I I got my master's in public administration, and then um, if you look at my resume, you probably think that I I really can't get a job. But I I really or can keep a job, I should say, because I moved a lot. I moved all the way from or among from Portland, Maine to New York City, Philadelphia. Atlanta. And right before the pandemic, I retired from full-time employment after 40 plus years and uh, started doing um, more volunteer work. I became more involved with ACB. And certainly that's when I, I became aware of the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. And also I've been very involved with the work of the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition, which is a coalition that brings a lot, brings together a lot of folks, both professionals, volunteers, consumers, ACB and the AAVL is very involved in the coalition. And so I've been able to do more of the, um, become more involved in the advocacy. Uh, and this is one of the, one of those that is close to my heart because that's what I did for so many years. And I saw both the need and the, inadequate amount of funds that were available for to meet that need. So I probably went way too long, but Mark, maybe you or, or Scott can give a little bit of perspective of how this started and and um, and then we can talk about maybe what we what we or our members can do to make a change. Mark, well, I always I say that it's 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 Go important ahead. to respect one's elders, so I'm going to let uh, age before <laughs> no, no, age, no. Be, age before beauty. So he, you go he ahead. He knows dude. that I haven't been close to the real current action um, in a long time. Well, and, and so, it's also getting close to your bedtime too. Well, oh, well, that too. <laughs> uh, but uh, actually, um, the, uh, the program was part of the Rehabilitation Act of 1978 amendments. Um, and th which were eventually signed into law by Jimmy Carter. Um, as a member of the House of Representatives, Representative Ed Roybal of California was a great advocate for the rights of older individuals, as well as for individuals who had disabilities, including us. Um, and of course, as I just mentioned, uh, what what he did was to get the authorizing language 
uh, settled in the uh, Rehabilitation Act, which then, as you know from your civics lessons 101, uh, then go to an appropriations process, or at least that's the way it's supposed to work. It doesn't work always that way these days, but in any event, back in the good old days, that's how it happened. Um, Representative uh, Roybal's efforts were uh, uh, were instrumental in this process. I, I don't remember exactly how he got interested in the whole idea. I got involved in the governmental relations business in 1981. And of course, the amendments had already uh, been passed by by then. And then, as I said, subsequently signed into law by, um, by President Carter. Um, by the way, I uh, in preparation for today, what most of what I just read you, I didn't write. Uh, I actually asked ChatGPT to give me a summary of the program, its funding, and the programs that it, the, the services that it provides. You that didn't funds. do that, really? I did, <laughs> and you know what? It created it in a matter of seconds. I have here a, a, a what could be an imperative paper created in ten minutes. You know, Scott, I did the same thing. I asked for, I went on that, on that site. Yes. I asked yes. For, give me some talking points about this, and it did. And and, but, the but, but, but there's one, one caveat, though. I, uh, for as good as it is, um, I would want you and, and Mark to look at it more closely because the chat bot said that Representative Royable got the Miguel Medal uh, the highest award of the American Foundation for the Blind in 1983, which was not the case. He received the reward in 1994. <laughs> and when I told the bot that, that it was a correction, it said, thank you very much. You are correct. <laughs> Representative <laughs> Royal did get the award in 1991. My point being, this is the advocate's best friend. Can you imagine the time it would, would ta it would have taken me, us, to come up with information in 10 minutes? You couldn't do it. We could have spent a hell of a lot more time at the bar. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. But, that's, but, that's but, terrible. but you I, really must check it for accuracy. And yeah, that. this thing that I just did in 10 minutes, I could, or Mark could, you know, kind of massage it or Nessio uh, for style. But wow, you know, if you want to advocate on something, uh, this would be a great way to start yeah. the process. But anyway, but that's basically the situation in 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 uh, in, in seventy eight, and then the funding uh, got started at four point five mil in eighty one, and went as high according to Jet Chat GPT. But maybe we need to 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 check this. Uh, it Chat. GPT gave me every year's funding from 81 to 22, and it said it was up to 35 at 22, which, you know, relatively speaking, um, is not bad compared to funding for their, the, the general independent living program and, and the number of people it serves compared to the number of people potentially served by our program. But anyway, I turned the 
let me go back to Mark and and Anisio and 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 they can bring you up to date on on what's currently happening. Well, I don't know if uh, Chat GPT gave you Scott and our colleagues at the American Foundation for the Blind credit in the late nineteen nineties for the work that AFB did uh, to advance this program forward. And as I have said this at, in front of other audiences that. Um, I can brag on AFB here without blushing or as if I'm promoting myself because I really had nothing to do with it. Um, Scott Marshall was vice president of government affairs or whatever the hell your title was. Uh, yeah, whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Some flouncy thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then a gentleman that Scott and I both uh, have a great deal of professional respect and indeed personal affection for, Alan Dinsmore, uh, was the lead staff in our office. And I got to watch. He was our chat GPT at the time. He he really kind of was. He was the amazing. Guy, he could bring he in could information like all the papers, the yeah. newspaper. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it's really Scott leading the way and Alan being our frontline guy. And this was in 1998 when I first joined the foundation. So I got to sort of have a, a ringside seat and get to watch how it is done when you want to mobilize the community to achieve a specific uh objective in this case it was to significantly increase the funding for the older blind program which i don't remember exactly what it was it was well under 10 million and uh, the way that the program was structured in the in the law uh if you could get to 13 million uh dollars then a certain fun for uh funding formula would kick in which yes. would ensure that a number of states i think there are about 17 of them now don't worry about the precise number. Chat GPT will correct me, apparently, uh, 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 that are in these so-called minimum allotment states. So the, this is nerdy stuff we're getting into right now. The point being, it, it wasn't just that we were, you know, gosh, we're going to you, Congress, to beg for more money for a program that we care about, though clearly that was part of it. Part of the rationale was also, look, if you get over this initial threshold that's been built into the law itself, you're going to, the, the whole will be greater than the sum of the parts. And so those minimum allotment states would get some money. So it was a, it was quite an effort. And it's not, it's not only AFB that, that helped. We, we for sure had, uh, help from uh, our friends in the state agency community who were amening everything that we did. Um, there are other names at AFB I could drop who are, uh, some of who are still there. A couple are still there. Some are. Lorraine Lidoff was well. It's an interesting point. Oh, that yes. this, what's interesting about this, and I think Terry, what would be yeah. interesting for to, to put on the record because we are on the record. There was a conversation that was had in 1998, and it was at a Josephine L. Taylor Leadership Institute, which we now call the AFB Leadership Conference. And of course, everyone and their sister and brother used to come to that thing. I think maybe that's still true today. I don't know. Um, and uh, the conversation was about, here we are in the late 1990s, what are we going to do about increasing services to older people? What are we going to do about protecting and uh, promoting the professions in blindness? And the decision was sort of taken at that meeting. Maybe, you know, it wasn't a vote, but for sure it was one of these, you know, can't we, as it were, divide and conquer and, you know, different organizations will do different things. And the decision was made at that time that Lighthouse International and our friends in the private agency community would devote themselves to the project 
of uh, pushing for Medicare reimbursement for the services that vision rehabilitation professionals provide and that the American Foundation for the Blind would devote itself to the task of in increasing the federal appropriation for older blind. And you might say, well, you know, the classic thing, gee whiz, why can't we all get along? Can't we all support each other? And of course, the truth is we all did support each other. The question was, who was going to be committing staff time and the resources of an organization to get things done? And AFB really carried the the the, the water in terms of paying for the outside political, uh, the policy council and the rest, what we would maybe pejoratively refer to as a paid lobbyist um, and uh, to do that work. And so fast forward to today, I mean, the work that AFB did back then has put uh, the older blind program on the track that it's at now, uh, that has resulted now into this 33, perhaps more uh, million a year uh, annual appropriation. But the things, Terry, that I will leave with you or Anisio, whoever's going to pick up this microphone when I drop it is, you know, just a couple of numbers. So the data would seem such as we have it, and that is a, an issue. And maybe Anisio, you might want to talk about the big data thing if you like. But uh, the data that we have would seem to suggest that less than 60,000 human beings are served by the older blind program annually today. The average amount of money that's spent on a given client in a given year is something like 540 some bucks. And if you are sitting there saying, did I just hear Mark, right? How the hell much O&M or, you know, uh, time being able to prepare, uh, keep my home, prepare my home so I can live in it properly, et cetera. How much are you going to get for 540 bucks? Yeah, you're right to be shaking your head, but that's what it's at. And the numbers would seem to suggest that of the people who should be eligible for these services, that maybe the program is serving 3% of the overall eligible population in the United States. And that is, I mean, there is no adjective that any of us, even big mouthed, uh, experienced, whatever advocates could come up with. Unconscionable is my favorite go-to word. I mean, there are four-letter words I could use, but this is a family show. But I think, you know, it's it's appalling that this program is underfunded. And uh, so with that, I'm dropping the mic. Thanks. I've been calling it deplorable. That's true, too. That's a yeah. good one, too. Um, well, let, me ask, let, let me ask a question. Um, how... My I can't do three percent to nine to one hundred percent in my head that quickly, um, and I'm not going to watch the echo. Roughly, how many people do we believe would benefit from this program nationwide? Uh, so sixty percent is three percent. Yeah, that's a lot I, I, of people. I don't I don't know how to do it backwards like that, but uh, <laughs> but with the the Mark just mentioned the big data uh, reports that. The Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition is has been generating uh, with the Vision Serve Alliance, and so these are reports that are state by state reports that identify that um, use the data from from two surveys that are done on a yearly basis, and and they are looking at they're estimating the prevalence of, of vision loss. And they did it for people 65 and over, which is a little bit older than this program requires, right? This program starts at 55. And they identified there that there are about 
that the, the prevalence rate nationwide is 7.3% of those people 65 and over. I didn't ask chat GPT, but I asked uh, the A lady a while ago, how many people there are in the United States, 30, 65 and over. Mm -hmm. Apparently there are 35 million. So 7.3% of that is 2.5555555 million. Um, if you look, if you go a little bit bef uh, younger than that, 40 years of age and over, so adults, there are, according to some studies, there are about 12.5 million people with uh, that have identified identified themselves as having a, a, a visual impairment, and that number is expected to double uh, by 2050 to about um, actually not double, but to increase by 118 percent to about um, 27 point some million people. So we're talking about a lot of people. Now, obviously, some people will need more services than others. Um, but again, the, the the these funds will not will not do it. The other issue with these with the 33 million funds they, is that they are allocated to states. Or the states receive these funds based on the percentage of the uh, of the their population who is 55 and over and if uh, for some states they are still receiving the very minimum uh of the formula which i believe is 225,000 or 250,000 i'm not sure yeah i know i've talked with a, pe a couple of people from states where they're on the uh, statutory committee uh yeah. committees that are both well under a hundred dollars right is what it works out to. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, it's nuts. Um, so, and we all know, right? I mean, you know, one of the things I mentioned in Talking Points is the fact that, you know, it's been proven that um, it, when provided with these, with these vision rehab services, that people can live independently, live better, happier, and also without additional expenses. I mean, the the according to some numbers I saw, the cost of visual impairment um, and blindness among this population is about um, what did I see? Thirty-four million dollars. No, thirty-four billion dollars. I'm sorry, not million, billion dollars, and that includes the cost that comes from the medical interventions needed to the level of care that someone may need by from by going to a nursing home or whatever and also the opportunity cost that comes from them not being able to work so i mean it's the 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 cost benefit analysis of this should be such an easy thing to do and to to prove that i just i don't know why we have not been as more successful but that I leave up to Scott and Mark because they can understand why, how the other side works and what makes them tick. Well, I think, and, and that's why I believed that this was such a per good timing for this, that even if we, if ACB has not made it one of its imperatives for this year, we can still, as state organizations, um, you can still 
or through your, you know, through your own personal connections with your, uh, congressional party. Um, you can still bring this issue. Let me stop it. And it's, and this is probably some, one of those issues that we might even get some consensus uh in terms of messaging between acb and nfb that's true that's true and one of the other things that occurred to me is we've got very senior um members of congress mm -hmm. who are retiring i mean look at diane feinstein what they say she's 89 now um nancy pelosi there's almost every almost most of the leadership in Congress are all seniors now. And everybody has an aunt or a... Or themselves or a spouse yeah, or a absolutely. brother or sister. I mean, it just seems as though this is a good time to be... Well, I'm, really I'm looking now that. at Scott, I'm, and because, Scott, I don't remember the details, but you you likely will. I mean, apropos, this is a serious point uh, that we've touched on now, and that's the relationship that this community has with Congress the relationship that individual members of Congress or the, 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 the personal exposure that individual members of Congress have with blindness and vision impairment and how one dare not underestimate the importance of that. I mean, yeah. we, we, I, 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 I joked with some people uh, some years ago and it's, it's a morbid joke. It's only the kind of humor that people who are nerds who live inside the Washington beltway would find funny. But some years ago, when uh, uh, Senate Majority Leader at the time, Harry Reid from Nevada, uh, injured himself in an exercise yep. accident. Uh, and I mean, it sounds awful. And frankly, it makes me cringe, but uh, lost an eye the, as a result of the injury. Uh, it was terrible. And I certainly personally felt bad. But in the office with my policy nerd colleagues, we were excited. And you know why? Because we thought the majority leader of the Senate, holy mackerel, maybe this is our great opportunity to find he's finally going to start to understand what's going. I mean, it's a crazy thing to say. But Scott, I mean, yeah. if I remember correctly, didn't wasn't Congressman Young? Uh, I don't know that he was they weren't exact. This isn't proprietary information, but they weren't exactly pasting this on the cover of The New York Times. But I believe his wife had acquaintance with vision impairment. Yeah, and, Bill and Young, you're talking of, about, I think. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, so yeah take it over. I think take that's it away. true. Uh, you know, it's kind of an awkward thing to do when you think about it for the reasons that Mark said. But you're right. That's something we really need to think more about. And I think Terry is right that this may be a, a, a good time with as many older members especially in the senate that we have uh these days although uh, it, you know it 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 does require a lot of um anecdotal information um and that's sometimes hard to come up with and and and, and to know that it's reliable but boy i would use every lever that we could possibly try to pull uh, to get attention to it. For example, and this may not be politically correct either, if you look back at the ADA, 
as good as it was, and there are lots of flaws there that that are still causing us difficulty, as you well know, like the web acts, web coverage and all that stuff. But there's a Title IV that is to the ADA, ADA, which is all related to deafness and to captioning and, and, and that sort of thing. And that was because I'm, I, I almost have got to believe that uh, the, 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 major, the main proponent of the ADA in the Senate, uh, brother, Senator Harkin, he had a brother who was deaf. And 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 the deaf lobby, you know, I I I'm sure that did not escape them. Wasn't that the case? Sure not. Wasn't that the case also with um, I can't think of his name now. That congressman from Massachusetts that was involved with the Markey. Yeah, was it him with the Medicare demonstration project? And his mother had Macleod generation. Oh, you're thinking about. uh, it wasn't from Massachusetts. You were talking about John Sununu, who was carrying the water for the um, uh, the demonstration, the the whole Medicare reimbursement right, issue right. in the early two thousand. I didn't realize that at that time. And he's a Republican. On top of that, of course, and yeah, absolutely right. And and uh, uh, so, uh, what was that? New Hampshire. Yes. And right. um, you know, again, a personal connection. That's a really yeah. insightful observation that you make there yeah. so a lot of our champions for sure have been exactly those kind of people and um, how could they how could they not i mean if if you this is our own experience as people with disabilities generally that the people who we meet uh as friends as yeah. sweethearts frankly as potential employers the folks who give us a chance are the people who themselves have that experience and say mm-hmm. it's okay slash i'm totally all about it and i'm in your co- in your corner yep. the people who have no experience yep. with it can't won't give us the time of day yeah and but on the other hand we've got to be realistic too that sometimes level funding is a victory in this environment well that's um, right. and there's there's a lot of talk uh yep. by our friends on the republican side these days about going back to pre-pandemic funding levels uh, because they, and I'm not saying this is, but I agree with this, that, that, you know, the, the pandemic caused all these, these programs to emerge. Uh, lots of money was spent. Right, get an, an infusion, an emergency infusion oh, right. of funds that we exactly. don't need anymore. The, the PPP yep. program for employers to keep their, their businesses open and keep people hired. And, and yeah, and there was a lot of fraud and abuse and some of that stuff too. And so they're going crazy about that. And they're now saying, well, we, we need to get our, our appropriations levels back to the 2019 uh, level. Um, so who knows how that'll play out ultimately. But we- and, and But the OIB money, as I understand that Scott had, had the pandemic money had no effect on the OIB money. No, this hasn't changed in decades. No, 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 no. no, no. Right. But what I'm saying, what the talk is now yeah. about right. overall but spending, right? But what I'm uh, and whether is, you're going to get a, get an increase for a program, mm-hmm. right? Know. What what I'm saying is, that's almost a carefully worded um, advantage to us. It would almost seem that this is something that 
that uh, that that all of the pandemic money had nothing to do that that eliminating the pandemic money or reducing it has nothing to do with this. We're well, talking apples I, I, and oranges. Well, yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, the that's, reality yeah. of it is, I mean, that's a a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. Yeah, right. Where I mean, it comes they're, from. they're not yeah, going to say, yeah. well, gosh, we have extra money sitting on the table. I guess we'll give it to the blind people. I mean, that, 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 that's not, that's not. No, we're going to have to scrounge. An oranges possibility. Yeah, we're, 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 we're going to have to scrounge for every dollar. And Anisio, to your comment about who's is sort of leading the charge on this, I think our friends in the National Federation of the Blind made it pretty clear uh, in the second half of last calendar year that they are super interested in sort of being the field leader on this issue. And, you know, this is a, an ACV affiliated call. And so let me be crystal clear about that. I think that's phenomenal. I think it's fantastic that the National Federation of the Blind wants to lead the charge on the issue of trying to do something about older blind uh, monies, because honestly, it's a, it's exactly the kind of issue that I mean, how many times have every last one of us heard, yep. gosh, if we could only just all get along, right? Yeah. That's yeah. right. Which, by the way, is nonsense anyway, because we get along on a bunch of stuff. And the people who say yeah. that, and they exploit that to try to get their own agenda. But let's put that debate yeah. aside for another call. Mm -hmm. This is motherhood and apple pie. And if the National Federation of the Blind wants to take the lead on doing that, I mean, they're going to get nothing from amens from me, and I bet just about everybody else. And I think we should all line up and uh, march right alongside them. That's it, and they've and they've come up. I think it's just today they put a uh, a piece out to their members um, that's on one of our lists. Leadership, really, maybe from Peter. I'm behind um, in my email today. It wasn't on the older blind. It's not on the older <laughs> blind. It's it's on the two of our imperatives that um, they've also the legislation being uh, introduced this week yeah. on the website and on the website one and on the update of the CVAA. And 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 NFB supporting all that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. Yes. Yeah. How, um, how well, gentlemen, change? I'm going to come up for air here from or allow you to all come up for air for a minute <laughs> because we do have a few hands. We have several. Oh, now we'll things. hear what it's really like. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Does this mean I can wander into the kitchen, put you on mute and fill my uh, ice? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're supposed to listen, Mark. Listen, I am listening. Listen, That's listen. what I'm doing. Uh, and, she, and she will definitely punish you if you don't. Because yeah, it's there, shit. there we go. Sheila Young is on first. Oh, other than hello, Sheila. <laughs> My steak mate. I love the way you did that, Scott. That was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, Terry and everybody. Um, Hi, Sheila. I, I am just sitting here, as all of us have been for many years, appalled, um, disgusted. I, I can't even think of the words I would like to use. And I agree with Mark. Some of them wouldn't be very nice. But I will say that, number one, I know that ACB has done a resolution. I know FCB has. And I'm going to encourage my resolution <laughs> chair of FCB, our resolution chair of FCB, to write another one. But do they not understand nationally that it is much cheaper 
to give individuals training in their homes rather than put them in a facility? Do they not understand that cost factor? Uh, that's just one of the points I wanted to yeah. make, but I, I'm just I'm, I'm just shocked that common sense wouldn't fall into play here. And Mark, haven't we had a resolution on this before at the ACB oh, level? Only about three dozen of them, I that's think. That's what I thought. <laughs> I, I, I probably wrote a dozen of them myself and uh, Jeff, Tom and Paul Edwards and oh, heck, maybe even your good self might have written a few of the I mean, we've had quite a few. There's no. Question. So so what? OK, I guess my my whole I mean, like I said, I could just go on and on and I'm not going to. Yeah. But what can we do as a state affiliate president? What can we do? to try to start raising hell. Well, there is an expectation in the older blind program that states match uh, uh, spending in the program. Now, it isn't much of a, an expectation. I think it's states are expected to pony up $1 for every $9. I mean, it's it's something pitiful like that. It's not a huge on the, yeah. on the other hand, depending on how you look at it, and this is a this is an intriguing thing. We have heard from our friends in the state agency, state blindness agency community, who have said when they have heard our friends in the Federation talk about the need for asking for well over $200 million a year to be appropriated for the older blind program, their comment is, for heaven's sake, if you're going to ask for 200 plus million dollars a year for this program and the only way that we could draw down those monies is if the states pony up a match would you please go to congress and tell them to eliminate the match because they have no confidence that individual states are actually going to pony up the money uh to match it to actually bring down the funds and and that that's an interesting thing because from a public policy point of view you'd say Good public policy is where the feds pony up some money, the states mm -hmm. pony up some money, there's an right. investment, a commitment. Right. So, but so the short answer to your question, I, people in the state can go to Tallahassee. Uh, you know, I feel like uh, George H.W. Bush now. Florida is one of my home states. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's one of my home states. So go go to Tallahassee, good old Tallahassee, and, and say to them, we want to increase our contribution. Uh, because whatever the feds do, we can certainly make our own investment here. Right. And uh, I hear that there are challenges in the state of Florida where the old. Well, there, there's a lot of challenges in Florida. But my whole point is five hundred and forty dollars. Are you kidding me? Oh, it's asinine. It, yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 as. But but here but here's the other piece of this. We have had discussions and look, it's funny. You, you can talk about the Federation leading. What did the AFB do 20 Who years cares? ago? What's, AC, what's ACB's position now? The reality of it is we all have worked and shuffle across the organizations, okay? So yeah. when various combinations of us have looked at this and said, by the way, what would full funding for the older blind program look like? What would that really mean? Do you know what? Nobody, nobody, including unlike me, people who actually know what they're talking about and have PhDs, nobody knows what full funding for the older blind program looks like yep. because the truth is if you it's say let's let's take all of the people who need the money 
uh, who need the services. And let's talk about what a full complement of services would be in order to achieve the outcome, which is presumably, and you know, as much independence as the client wants or has the capacity. Nobody knows what that number is. So even if we went to Congress and said, we want you to fully fund the older blind program, we don't, we don't have an answer to that. And that's very true. So thank you for letting me vent. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you. Really, uh, it, it's a real problem. Just like, you know, sometimes don't have numbers. And sometimes that could be a blessing too. I remember we, uh, during the, 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 the scares about, uh, changing the revenue foregone postal subsidy to the free matter program, none of us wanted to talk about how much really free matter costs because it would have blown it totally out of the water. So, yeah, you know, and, and remember, all of this doesn't get done in a vacuum. Uh, we've got the uh, another part of the independent living movement is the uh, uh, people with uh, the general disabilities group, the broader disabilities group, or whatever you want to call it. And that's a lot more people than we, we are, are talking about. Plus, they're, they're talking about funding centers all over the country. So, and unfortunately, as was mentioned earlier, the, the, the people in Washington, you know, don't see these investments in the long term at all. They never do. It's a dollar. It's a dollar. Is a dollar. Is a dollar, and the, the whole concept of an investment for the future is really, really rare. Um, I don't know, Mark. Do you agree with that idea? Uh, yes, sir. I've been trained well. Yes, sir. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> we, we, well, we have we have I've 14 got, minutes in four hands, by the way. I was oh, just okay. gonna, that's what I'm trying to tell them too. Okay. Uh, we've been trained well too, Ray and I. <laughs> <laughs> and Renee Zellickson. Good evening. Yes. Good way. evening. Thank you. Um, a couple of points I would like to make. I probably don't have time, you know, in the four minute span. <clears throat> but Terry, I'll email you if I don't. Um, okay. The, the first thing is, is that for those people that, let's say, that are um, partially sighted even and their vision gets worse. Now, I've had mobility. I was proactive. And when I was at an NFB center, I mm -hmm. chose to go the full time with blindfolds because I lost one of my eyes. Uh, while I was there and I said, you know what, I'm going to be proactive and I'm going to use the blindfolds. Then when I had my surgery in 2005, I did the same thing because I had to be blindfolded in, in um, for three days. For somebody who loses the rest of their vision, let's say I lost the res rest of my vision, it would be nice to be able to go to a rehab center and say, you know what, I need a review. Because look, let's face it, you, you have vision, you're going to use it. That's the First point. The second point is the rehab people, they act like the money is, is their own personal pocket that they're giving it out of. If the person who is newly blinded or going blind or whatever, um, and or has moved into an area and now needs a little bit of orientation to where they've moved to, they act like, um, uh, no, it's my, it's my personal money and I'm not going to give it to you. And a lot of people have had that problem. I also would like to talk about maybe ACB coordinating with NFB in their 
uh, in their orientation centers because I do think that it is um, it, that's, a, that's a very interesting subject, Renee, and I hate to cut you short. I understand. A, I understand. But it's a, you know? it's, it's a call unto itself, trust me. Um, I, I think we, I, but I thank you very much for. If you could just keep me in mind for that. Okay? Sure, we yeah. will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Terry, Thanks, Renee. Terry, if I, if I could uh, just say a couple of words about that. Sure. Not that, but, uh, about the first point. I do agree that services to this this population have to be flexible enough to it's not okay you you get the services today or this year and that's it for the rest of your life obviously it's a, it's a ongoing process as she said as people lose more vision they may need more services etc so i i think she's absolutely right she does i think she makes a very good point with that absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely roberta good evening Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks for this program, Terry, and wonderful points by the speakers and the participants. Um, I would also like to reiterate, um, at this point in time, there are not enough qualified professionals to provide the services that are needed. Amen, um, sister. There's, there's been some talk recently about bringing in occupational therapists, which right. I think is an absolutely appalling idea. Um, all, every occupational therapist I've talked to who has had anything to do with education and vision rehabilitation has been flabbergasted at what they don't know. Um, so I'm yep. extremely concerned and would like to see some of the funding go toward personnel prep programs to help bring more professionals into the field of vision Tara, rehab. Tara, you have another session already. <laughs> I think we should discuss at a future time, and AAVL supports this, ACV supports it, uh, the organization I'm volunteering for a lot these days, AER supports something called Teddy Joy's Law, Teddy Joy yeah. Renhold being somebody that we all care about very, very much and have a personal connection with. So mm -hmm. we should talk about that more. But to your point, Roberta, I mean, for sure, that is something that Funding for the older blind program that Anisio is talking about um, <clears throat> doesn't necessarily address. In other words, we could have $135 million in there and or more. And 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 we need to do a heck of a lot more than we are doing right now to invest in personnel prep monies. And the only thing I also, Terry, that I want to say is that this business about OTs, OTs are providing services right now. They've been providing services for a very, very long time. The only thing that I'm super concerned about with respect to what's going on with our certification body in the field is that the truth is they kind of seem to have gone out entirely on a limb, all on their own, have told the rest of us they're going to do it no matter what the rest of us have to say about it. And there's a lot of things, even more colorful language we could use about that. Mm. For sure, whatever that is, that's not collaborative at all. And I think this, there are so many of them who don't have a clue what they're talking about. Um, for those of you who remember Rudolph, our dog, uh, Frank's guide dog, rather, we, I had an OT that was here, uh, when I hurt my, fractured my back there last couple of years ago. And she came right out and said, he's not a very well trained dog. And I said, why? <laughs> he barked at the door when I rang the bell. <laughs> I was like, 
he's a dog <laughs> i'd rather have him do that um you know that kind of thing i mean they just she had absolutely no clue she had no clue whatsoever as far as the dog was concerned and she had been an, an occupational therapist for over 20 years we had a meeting at lighthouse international in the early 2000s with all of the university preparation program well, all many of the university prep programs in occupational therapy and the purpose for the meeting uh was to talk about how we could all how we could all get along and anisio i'm totally winking at you because you put forth a resolution that we're now working on in AER to try to address exactly this sort of thing. How can we talk about this? And, and these issues come and go, don't they? We can't shake them, uh, it seems. And and you know what? What was So it was, it was a very academic, you know, lovely, sweet little conversation. Then it came time to go get coffee at the break. And I wanted to, you know, hey, let's hang out. And I wanted to chit chat with one of the, the women who was uh, one of the professors. And I said, oh, we're going to go get coffee. And so, well, here, I'll just go sighted guide with you. She had no idea what I was talking about. In that moment, it was the first time she had ever heard the phrase sighted guide. Mm -hmm. And this is an occupational therapist. And this has happened over and over and over again. I realize it's just one blind dude's example. And that was just one person who responded. But I hear these stories consistently. And until that community evinces a little bit more expertise and I don't want to use the word sensitivity, whatever. I think expertise is probably the apt word. Um, I think we've got a long way to go there. Yeah, but Perry, I can I make that way? Two hands in six minutes. Yes, I know, I, I know, Ray. Thank you. Can I um, make a the, second the quick next point? One, I'm sorry. I just, want to make a, I just want to make a second quick point. This is Roberta. Oh, Roberta, I think sure. one of the things I've seen it, uh, in addition that sort of touches on Mark's point, but uh, a tangent. Um, I think I've seen one of the reasons that the vision rehab therapy profession seems to be, this is anecdotal, of course, seems to be, um, I'm not sure what the right word is. I don't want to say less respected, but is is not quite up to the par in many people's view as other blindness professions is because many of those individuals are blind themselves something to think about i think there is no question that that there's some conscience conscious and unconscious bias going on there for sure i think you're right karen campbell or, or okay or, thank you go for it girl give us give us your question <laughs> um basically a comment to the uh that fb wants to take the lead on this be very careful with that because you know what they you know what they ultimately want they want people to go to their facilities and we got to be very careful about that okay that's not, not i think they actually state that in the resolution uh because we at the they AA, did, as i recall from the advocacy yeah. committee at the AA, we were going to adopt that, and then we decided that well, it's not adopt, but support that. And I said, no, we couldn't do that because we would have to pick. Okay, we're going to pick these two points, but not these other two, because they really wanted to, uh, you know, they, they were encouraging people. I mean, they wanted to put it into the law that they had to go to these orientation centers. Sure. Yeah, mm. that's... Well, you be um, well and, 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 and take heart, take heart 
that in the appropriations, annual appropriations process, they would not be able to substantively change those requirements. I mean, sure, they could probably get a member of Congress to say, uh, we will increase the appropriation to $45 million this year. And the committee, right, the committee, the appropriations committee, the committee strongly encourages the Rehab Services Administration to uh, make sure that these funds are used in centers uh, affiliated with the National Federation of the Blind. That's probably the most that they could do. And the reality of it is the way the program is structured from a uh, funding formula and other thing, because it goes through state, public state folk rehab agencies. Um, you know, there, there are countervailing uh, yeah. things going on there. Right. Mm, thank you. Thanks, Karen. And Jane, you will be our last one, our last hand for tonight. Hello. Hello, this is Jane Perry from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. This is great. Um, my quick question is, did, was this program, before this program, was this the bridge program? And also, I'd like you people to know that I don't think people understand or know about the older individual or independence blindness law. It's amazing. I have friends all over the United States, and they go, what are you talking about? Same thing with occupational rehab, visually impaired people. So I think we need some more outreach, and we need some more um, in-service on this or seminars. And also, I think we need to do something or have another session or something about the Penny Joy Law, which people don't know about either, or they don't know that much about it. So thank you again. And thank you for taking my call. Thanks, Jane. And with that, um, I want to give the three of you um, about 15 seconds each, I'm afraid. We have two minutes <laughs> left. Uh, to any, any last comments? Well, I, I, I want to thank you, Terry, for for offering this time for for us to discuss this. Obviously, there's so many angles that you can look at this uh, and uh, and discuss these issues. And I look forward to more opportunities that you will offer us. Um, to, to, Absolutely, um, I would love to have you all back again, and take and let's start looking at the next steps. You know, we've come up with a number of um, serious topics of late mm -hmm. with, between healthcare and this and um, a couple of others and I'm not just letting them drop We're, um, we will definitely be getting back into them later in March and in April and May right. and with that I want to thank the three of you in particular um, I want to encourage anyone who has the opportunity what are you moving to a three-hour show? You need to move to a three-hour <laughs> show. <laughs> oh, boy. Your host has something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to thank you all for joining us tonight. Next Friday night, we will not be doing a live visibilities. Um, it's in the middle of the leadership conference. But what we will be doing is a replay of the first call I did last month, I mean, not last month, a year ago, 
of the tribute to the women of ACB. Oh, thank you all ever so much. Take care, everybody. Thank you very Bye. much.